Welcome to the Assemblée Dance Studio podcast, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in growing and running your dance studio. I'm your host, Claire O'Shea, and I'm a dance studio owner and business coach, helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business, and become the go-to dance studio in your area. Do you love the podcast content but are looking to get a bit more one-on-one strategy? If that is the case, I really encourage you to check out our monthly masterclasses. Each month, I dive into a specific topic that is going to help you and your dance studio reach the next level. So if you're interested in finding more about that, head to assemblydancestudiocoaching.com forward slash masterclass. Again, each month is a specific topic catered to you and your dance studio all about how to grow and create a bigger, more successful, just more streamlined dance studio. And if that's something you're interested in, you can buy a one-off masterclass. So if you can sort of pick and choose to what topics suit your interests, or alternatively, you can sign up for our membership to our masterclass, which is a discounted monthly price. So whatever you are interested in joining us for, you can check that out at assemblydancestudiocoaching.com forward slash masterclass. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of my episodes released weekly. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Assemblée Dance Studio Coaching Podcast. I'm your host Clara Shea and I'm so excited to bring you an amazing conversation with the wonderful Kim Degenhart. Firstly, I'd like to apologize for my voice but please note uh, we recorded this episode in advance so I don't sound like this on the episode thankfully. Kim is the dynamic powerhouse behind Bomb Funk Dance Studio in New South Wales. Now, let me tell you, her story is a wild ride. From hike kicking at the world-famous Moulin Rouge in Paris to owning and running a thriving dance studio in Australia, and if that's not enough, she's also an Amazon number one best-selling author. In her book, Fru Fru to Fruition, Kim pulls back the curtain on the dance industry, sharing her experiences and invaluable advice for dancers, teachers, and studio owners. It's like a backstage pass to the world of professional dance. In this episode, we're going to chat about Kim's dance journey, the thrills and challenges of running Bomb Funk Dance Studio, and what it's like to fit out a new dance studio with your very own professional dance leader. Plus, we'll be diving into some pearls of wisdom from her book. So whether you're a dancer, a dance teacher, or a studio owner, get ready for a conversation packed with passion, insight, and inspiring stories. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Kim. I'm so excited to be talking uh, to you about all things events and your book and your studio space and what you're doing in your studio. Thanks so much for having me. So I have followed you on social media for years, so I've sort of seen the evolution of like what you're doing and your studio growth and like all of that you do within your business. But for those of you, um, for sorry, for the for our listeners who might not know you, are you able to tell us um, a bit more about your journey as a dancer and a teacher and how you came about owning your studio, um, Bomb Funk? Sure. I'll try and do the brief version. Um, So I started um, assistant teaching as a student up in Townsville. um, And that was my part-time job because I didn't want to work in food or retail or anything. So that's what I did. And um, from there, I had some opportunities to 
perform overseas, uh, which then led me to some successful auditions with uh, Dance Encore Productions in Japan. That was my first professional show. And then straight after that, I auditioned for the Moulin Rouge and got in with very short notice um, and moved to Paris to live in Paris and dance at the Moulin Rouge for um, just under two years. Uh, and then after that, my career, I stayed um, with overseas work. I went back to Japan. I did a year in Hong Kong. And I also came back and did some time performing in Sydney um, before I settled back into the dance teaching side of things. Um, then I moved to Canberra. A position became available in Canberra to teach full time and at a studio. I took that one up because I was getting a little bit sick of the contract life and living from show to show and that uncertainty. Um, and then from there, that evolved into me doing my dance education, um, my grad dip ed. And so then I moved into teaching dance at schools. And then from that, um, the opportunity arose to purchase Bomb Funk, which was an existing studio um, that uh, I then started teaching at. And then I bought it the year after I taught there for a year. So that's that's kind of a nutshell <laughs> of my journey. Wow, you've had again like a really super exciting um, career, and it's like you know wide in like the different aspects that you've done. But I think that probably a lot of people also relate to um, that journey of you know starting with the teaching, but then pursuing the professional performing career, and then again potentially but like for a lot of different people it might end in with injury or COVID or whatever and then to come back and uh, find a teaching position and then open um, your studio or, or take over the existing studio is really something that a lot of people probably can relate to and there is a big difference I've sort of done both like start your own studio versus take over business was was there unexpected challenges that you came across when you had that transition or, or was working in the business beforehand a really great way to have that smooth transition? Yeah, I think I was a little bit naive on the workload. Um, when I first took over the business, I was still teaching at schools full time. Um, so very quickly that uh, changed and I started to drop back part time hours. So gradually each year I became more and more part time. Amazing. And I think that, to be honest, I I know still people who run their studios and work full time and it like boggles my brain that they can get it done. But like, I guess when you know the time, of the, the, the amount of time that you have, I guess you can only do so much within that time frame. So potentially it just means you can't do um, maybe some more creative projects or workshops and things like that, which is totally fine but I hats off to anyone who's managing both because I don't know how you do it um yep. but I know now you are well I think now you full-time like running your studio yes that's correct I officially resigned this year um but I haven't been teaching in schools for the last three years okay all right well for those like when Kim jumped on the call with me she mentioned how many events that she's got on in the next like 48 hours can you share what you said <laughs> yeah so between tomorrow and Sunday so tomorrow is Thursday and Sunday I've got eight events running um That's so yeah it's our busy time of year it is crazy and 
Um, Kim is the events expert and we're going to get into a little bit more how she manages it and her tips for um, events and basically as well how you actually can physically do it because of the the new space that you have. But before we touch on that, I want to jump back um, to you were talking about your professional career and that sort of uh, intertwined into how you sort of started writing your book. So, well, it's definitely in the opening chapters anyway. So what inspired you to write your book and um, what in key industry insights do you feel like you share and how? what's the feedback you've gotten from dance studio owners and on how it's helped them? Yeah, um, oh, lots of questions. Um, I think what inspired me originally to write my book is um, I have a background, I have a journalism degree. So I never intended to pursue dance as a career. It just kind of kept the right things kept falling into place and I had great training and great opportunities. And so I just kept taking the opportunities. Um, and so with my journalism degree, I love writing. I love writing all the time. Um, and every time I travel, I always take uh, a travel diary. So that kind of inspired me to share some of the things that I'd learnt along the way. Um, and then as I, you know, turned into the business ownership side of things, I thought there's definitely things here um, that I can share with business owners. But um, my book itself is kind of structured. The first section is very much um, towards the dance career, helping pre-professional dancers. And then the middle section is more um, targeted for teachers. And then the end section is definitely more for studio owners. So I just tried to give a bit of a broad um, tips for all those different um, audiences. Amazing. And it's so, it's such a great book. I'm not all the way through yet. Kim very kindly gave me a copy and I've been reading it. Um, it's really fantastic. It's great to get an insight into, like for me, I don't have that history of the professional performing career. So it's really nice to see it from like a real insider's perspective. It's really, really interesting to get your feedback. And it's, yeah, it's really fantastic. So I'd highly recommend that to anyone who's interested. Um, but now let's jump back into your the, your studio because that, as well, for a lot of people um, listening, that's probably the, the most exciting part. So aside from running your regular classes, you have quite a few specialty programs that you run through your studio. Um, can you give us a little bit of an oversight and then kind of maybe share some tips or strategies that you use to be able to manage them all because having so many specialty programs, I'm sure that takes a lot of time as well. Yeah, sure. Um, probably our biggest specialty program is our what we now call Kickstarts Productions. It's evolved um, through the time, uh, but basically we have a pre uh, a pro-am tap crew and a pro-am cabaret dancers team. Um, which are predominantly over 18s and it's just provides um, local dancers a bit of a professional pathway that's not you know a hugely massive dance job but they can still enjoy their dancing once they've hit 18 and you know those that are quite talented at dance still have that perform those performance opportunities then around town at different events um, so that's probably our biggest one we, we perform at a lot of um, professional uh, gigs and at festivals around Canberra and yeah and then we put on our we produce our own shows as well as part of that knee but it just gives those dancers an opportunity to continue dancing when you know they might also be school teachers or vets or lawyers or 
whatever in their daytime, but they still get that opportunity to perform, which, you know, is something I'm so passionate about providing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's really fantastic if you if you can to have these different opportunities. Can you provide a little bit of insight? Like, do you run and manage all of these or do you have like people that work underneath you that manage different departments? Like there's just so many moving pieces in your studio. I'm just trying to get a, um, a bit of an insight into how you fit it all in. Yeah, I definitely have people that um, take control of certain areas. So um, for Kickstarts Productions, I have another manager who does um, most of the creative work now. She does a lot of the choreography, whereas I'm kind of doing a lot of the behind the scenes. I make sure the costumes are working. I make sure all the contracts are signed. All of that stuff's happening. Um, and occasionally when I feel a bit creative, I jump in and <laughs> give them a routine. Um, but then same with our TOTS program, we have a massive preschool dance program. And then I have another teacher that runs that side of things. So she does all the staff training, makes sure every term um, our teachers get together and learn the new content, all of that sort of thing. So yeah, in, in different programs, the ones that are really big, um, I definitely have other managers and teachers um, working on them. And do you guys just have regular meetings and things to stay across everything? Is that how it works for you? Um, yeah, we have, I have um, every Friday, I produce um, kind of like a big email um, that has all the upcoming stuff for the week. Um, and we have a bit of a calendar. Um, so that's our main way of reminding everyone what their tasks are for the coming week. And then we have um, different chats that we have going constantly between, you know, front desk managers, um, higher up managers, teachers, um, just so that we're always able to, you know, if there's a student absent or something, we've got that chat so that we can communicate with staff. Fantastic. Now, with all of these programs and the size of your studio, I know that you had, a, you know, a semi-recent expansion into a new headquarters um, as well as like the addition of dedicated studios for acrobatics and cheer and also like a theatre space. So can you talk a little bit more about like your new space um, and sort of how you knew the time was right to move into something that is, well, so big? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure the time was right. We were coming out of COVID, um, so our finances were definitely tapped, but the venue was available um, and and I could just see the space and I walked in there and I could imagine every room and how it would work really well for us. And so I think I just dove into that opportunity, even though it was probably about a year too early for us financially, we were like, oh, this is going to be a real push. Um, but I just knew that the venue was the right venue. So, yeah, that was that was what uh, made me dive in in the end. Um, yeah, what was what was there more to that question? Can you kind of give us an overview of like what's within the space? Sure, sure. So um, our new headquarters, we have um, four dedicated studios. One we've decked out um, for our cheer and acro. So we've got the cheer mats that can roll um, out. And then we have a massive six metre high ceiling everywhere. So lots of room to throw and do stunts and everything. Um, and then we have all the acro equipment in that room. Um, we have a smaller studio that we've rigged with our aerial equipment. So we have five rigging points with um, six metre high aerial rigging in those so that the silks and lira and all that training uh, can happen. And then um, we have our ballet, dedicated ballet contemporary studio, which has our target floor. It has a small mini stage. Um, and yeah, that's more of our kind of 
space for the ballerinas to be. And then we have our theatre space, which is, uh, we use it as a studio in the daytime, but there's a section of it that can still be used as a studio. And then um, anytime we wish to put events on in there, we've um, got the theatre ready to go. I am literally just here like drooling. It sounds so exciting. So I'm like, I'm going to ask quite a few questions about this theatre space. I did tell Kim, like, this is something I personally am super interested in doing in my business in the future. And so the logistics of it, the, the fit out of it, like the whole process is so interesting for me. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, oh my gosh, like that is crazy, um, crazy exciting. Um, so with regards to the city you said, so it is it is probably mostly used, is it as a studio space so you can convert it? Is that how it works? Um, yeah, so what we've done, um, my goal was to have one of those reversible seating, seatings, but when we started to get um, uh, the finances and just look at the prices, even if we were getting something from China, it was just too expensive for us. So we ended up uh, building uh, a section of stadium seating so we can seat 98 seats there. And that's a permanent um, section of the room. So we've lost that kind of space for the studio. But then in front of that space, we have another area where we can either put um, theatre style seating on the ground level, we could put banquet tables, or we can hold our classes in there. So um, that allows us that little space there. And then we have the stage, which is um, a risen stage. Uh, so of course, if you're holding classes, you can also use that stage space as well. Um, so it gives us, you know, a bit of extra space. But yeah, um, definitely we're using it we're dual using it because you know you couldn't just have this massive empty space not being used um and then so yeah classes classes in the weekday evenings are in there and then usually friday saturday sunday is when we have it free for events perfect that makes so much sense and really interested to hear like you said about like the logistics of the seating because we and i'm sure many studio owners have used venues in the past potentially at schools that have those pull out seating and then they push back in um and they are fantastic and they look really great but i literally was talking to my husband about like what i thought the cost of them might be and he was like no nah, triple it like he just and i yeah. was like oh my god so like practically in terms of using the space whilst that makes the most sense it's financially it's not always an option is it so you've got to try and that's right which is still amazing the space that you have now so how many people can you sit like i know you said you have 98 in like the tiered seating but like if you just sort of do regular like seated rows how many people can you sit in a show Yes, yeah, so um, we've worked out about a max of 163 is comfortable okay. for us. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's still a good number that we can get in yeah. there. Um, and then if we do like a banquet, more like a cabaret-style um, seating arrangement, we're looking at about 130, 120, yeah. So, so do yeah, you, it's still a good number. Yeah, it's fantastic. Do you do your end-of-year show there or do you do that in a different theatre? No, so our end of your show, we're still keeping at a bigger theatre, just so um, we we are very mindful of family's time. We do one tech rehearsal and a show. So we don't do a dress rehearsal. We get everything smashed out in that tech rehearsal and then they perform it. And we try really to do that on the same day or that it's the night before and then the next day. Um, okay. 
you know, end of year, everyone's busy, they've all got stuff on. And so we really try and get that done. So we want a big audience, one show. <laughs> so yeah, that's why we've kept with our big theatre at the end of the year. But um, it's now given us the opportunity to do all of our shows throughout the year um, in our own space and suitable to our own timetable, um, rather than, you know, negotiating with venues to try and find the time everyone wants week 10 of you know term two and everybody wants week eight of term four and all that kind of stuff so um yeah it's given us that flexibility now to hold shows whenever we want um that are smaller yeah it's just so we were chatting about it before just like the logistics and the cost of all of the theater spaces throughout the year of course obviously you have the additional expense of your end of year show but i'm i'm sure that is a lot different doing that one kind of event than it is doing all of the events that you run throughout the year um and just having access to something like you know for holiday camps or i saw you did this gorgeous event like uh this princess experience can you give our um audience a little bit of an insight into that i'm just blown away by it yeah it's one of my favorite events actually our fairy tale ball um we put together this is with our cabaret company so they create we've created a, a princess show um but it's a bit, I like to say it's a bit like a blend of a Wiggles concert with um, that interactive dance experience. So all of the kids are standing in the, you know, the dancers mosh pit, the tots mosh pit, and they all copy the princesses and do all the dances along with them. But then they also have a few numbers, like we have a beautiful ballroom specialist. So Cinderella and the prince can do their beautiful ballroom dance and um, showcase some different dance styles as well. Um, So for us, it's just, a really magical event and having it in our own space this year just provided that extra opportunity to kind of show off our venue, bring in people who may not know our studio. Um, yeah, as, as a bit of an extra um, enrollment strategy, I suppose. Definitely. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. And I guess potentially this is a question might be popping up in people's head and it's probably something that I've thought about before is that you know when you're bringing um all of the events within your studio and the performances within your studio you know traditionally if we have them at an event space it's quite common to charge for tickets and things where people i would say wrongly assume maybe if you're holding it in house oh do you have to include it as part of your fees and stuff so i for instance the princess one it's very clearly it could you know it's a ticketed event because it's a different thing but how do you go about charging like for the the use of the space for like your current families or is that something that you try and integrate into their current fees um yeah well we try and keep the ticket prices quite low so compared to when we are hiring um another theater um we're trying to keep that get price around that 20 dollars so that it's really reasonable for families um but i think we have a really good community that understands that it does all kind of everything costs money um and putting on these shows we try and make them an entire experience every time so it's not just like they're coming to the studio and we've turned the lights off uh, we try and, you know, the red carpet comes out, there's a photo wall, that, there's there's always something there for our families so that it is an experience. And I think that's really important so that, that it differentiates from the regular use of the studio. 
super simple and so amazing that your families are respectful of like your time and the cost that went into building it and then maintaining it and also your team's time. But um, I just know that was a question that I've had in my head in the past. I thought if you were happy to answer, that would be amazing. So Kim, I am super mindful of your thousand events going on this week and so appreciative of your time. So I am going to ask only two more questions. So it, one more about the theatre space. So besides <laughs> performances, how do you utilise um, the theatre during like potentially like non-performance times? Are there other activities and programs or events that take place? Do you like do you use that as a, a money generating thing and hire it out to other people? Like what what how do you use your how do you maximise your studio basically? Because obviously these things all cost money. Yeah, so yes, we do um, hire it out uh, as well. So we've created a hires document. I have a venue manager that's been onboarded. Um, so that that is part of the, um, uh, you know, the options to get a little bit of additional income in to cover the costs. Um, but then we also, yeah, we run programs, um, holiday programs that might have a performance element at the end of the week or, um, we've been able to put on a number of additional events that we wouldn't have run in the past um, because you just can't afford to uh, put on a show. You know, our musical theatre class has nine students at the moment. So, you know, usually they wouldn't get a chance to do their own entire show, but we have our own theatre. So they have, you know, on Friday this week, they're putting on their own show and it's just the nine of them and it's going to be a lovely little 45 minute moment. And we've got, you know, half the theatre booked which is just, you know, wonderful because it still gives them the opportunity to perform, but it's not costing us an arm and a leg to find a venue and they can still have that full technical experience with the microphones and the lighting and everything that comes with the theatre. So, yeah, and, you know, the same with our, um, our soloists. We've got so many new students this year doing solos for the first time. So we put on a solo show and I had a guest judge and they performed and we had, you know, audience came. I think it was $5 a ticket and the audience filled up the chairs. It was the best audience we've had in so long. Everyone was so excited and cheering and supportive. And it gave all those kids a run of their routines before they got to comps last weekend. So, you know, again, you can't afford these kind of events often um, when you're seeking the external um, venues. So that's that's the, the extra thing for us is, you know, yeah, we're getting a little bit of extra um, ticket income in but it's the value of the experience for the students that just sounds so exciting and like incredible like what an amazing thing and we've again probably before you moved into a space so often we've looked at like oh could we run a solo thing for the kids oh it's just we can't get a venue or again it's just going to cost too much we just can't do it um so you end up kind of stopping a lot of these creative things or, or like if you go ahead with them it costs again it's just not worth it but like you sometimes just have to weigh up but that just sounds so amazing to have a space that you can utilize in so many different ways and at the end of the day come back to supporting your students um in a way that is really again beneficial and getting use out of your space but providing them with additional opportunities and then you also then in turn creating this amazing community atmosphere so that is wonderful um and makes me so excited to potentially <laughs> chew your ear off about this in the future when i hopefully find a space like that but for now yeah. i will just dream about it so <laughs> it's amazing to hear um your experience about it and thank you so much for sharing i know um 
so many people are interested in it and it might not be something um, they can do at the moment but if they are I find this to be such an informative episode and thank you for sharing. Um, my last question for you today is do you have any uh, like what's your favorite app or thing that sort of you're using at the moment that you find is really beneficial in running your dance studio? Oh I think I would have to say band. I know it's um becoming quite popular um but yeah we've got all of our classrooms in band and all of our communication um with students happening through band as well as you know regular emails and things but it just gives that visual element you can post little updates um you know when they've received a certificate you can put it in there and and we're just seeing we're starting to really see a beautiful supportive community where you know if you do post uh, an achievement everyone's getting on there and congratulating the student um, yeah, so uh, I'm just finding that to be really beneficial to create that beautiful studio environment. That is sounds fantastic. And again, Band is something I've heard people use in the past, but um, haven't heard it for a while. So a great recommendation for those who are looking to, um, you know, have more of that kind of community, uh, like communication, but not maybe using a thousand different Facebook messenger groups and things like that. So that's really fantastic. And thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I want to thank you so much for no taking the time today to speak with us. So if people are interested in following you on socials or buying your book or, you know, to, to connect with you in any way, how, what is the best way to go about that? Um, you can visit my website, frufrutufruition.com. Uh, you can also uh, get to the same link at kickstarts.com or kimdegenhart.com. So it'll all take you to the same place and all the other links are there. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining us today, Kim. It was super interesting, exciting to talk about uh, with you about all things studio ownership, events and marketing, um, and then also your amazing studio space and your book. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Assemblée Dance Studio Coaching Podcast with your host, me, Claire O'Shea. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it on your stories on Instagram and tag the show or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Assemblée Dance Studio Coaching. Tune in next week for another episode all about helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business and become the go-to dance studio in your area. See you then.